Welcome to Cellmates. Welcome to Cellmates. My name is Kate Phillips. I'm Dick Ward. And together we co-host this podcast that you're listening to. Uh, you seem surprised, Dick. You 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 uh you said together. Together we co-host this podcast. This podcast. That I I kept waiting for you to be like, and together we are Cellmates, or together we host. Well. Cellmates. I already said the name of the show. I, it just, it seemed like you were building up for me to say something at the same time as you. Oh no. And I didn't know what that was going to be. No. And your face looked like you were trying to say something I, at the same time as me. So, uh, uh, cool. Cellmates. We are a podcast that misreads each other's facial signatures, fi- signals. Yes, which luckily you guys can't see. But what we also do is we love animated movies and we talk about them. We do. We generally choose two of them Mm -hmm. and we ring them through a Venn diagram, comparing, contrasting, analyzing, dissecting, squeezing all the conversational material out of them. Just like stomping the guts out of a mouse. Just like stomping the guts out of a mouse. Uh, Welcome back to Mouse Month. Mouse month! If you've been listening in order, uh, you know that it's a very momentous uh, 12th of the calendar. Yeah. Uh, August is Mouse Month here, just because we decided it was. Can we call it Mousetober? No. Oh. Mousegust. Mousegust? No, I don't like Og- that. Ogmoust? Mousevember? No. Mousesember. I'm not, I'm not talking about mice anymore after this month. There are more movies. There are some sequels we could do. That's fair. But uh, two and two is quite enough. I still think we can just rename August. To Mousetober. Yeah. And then keep October. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Just get uh, rid of August. Well, it's too late for that. We yeah, that's fair. We check with that's the proper fair. authorities. We'll work on it next year. Uh, Dick, what are you drinking today? Oh, man. Kate, uh, before I tell you what I'm drinking, can I tell you that the movies we talk about are often Disney- you sure could tell me that, but not always. Uh, often musicals. Not always. And often good. Not always. And I am drinking, uh, well, I'll, t- I'll describe it. It's uh, red. Sure is. It's got ice in it. Uh, it is a drink uh, based on a drink that we found, called, or that you found, uh, full credit, called the Mouse Trap. Yes. Last episode, we were looking for mouse drinks. Uh, we were not looking for ways to kill a mouse drinks, mm-hmm. which apparently there are more of. Yes. Found three distinct recipes with totally different ingredients for something called a mouse trap. We chose the one that w- resembled most closely items that already existed in our kitchen. Yeah. So this one called for vodka and Sprite and some other stuff. And triple sack and orange juice. We don't care super much about Sprite, but we love ginger ale. Yeah. So we added ginger ale instead. And we did a citrus vodka. And it gives it a little bit more of a brownish color Mm. because of the ginger ale. So we're calling it a rusty mousetrap. All right. No. Is rusty, rusty is a type of drink in general? No. He sips. Make sure you get your tetanus shots. No, isn't there like a rusty, like what's a rusty nail? I don't know. It's a drink. Anyway, well, Mousetrap is an interesting uh, name because 
we're not we're not trapping the mice in these movies. That's correct. But this week has been a mouse trap week. Yeah, before we before we get started on the movies, Kate uh, Kate has had some adventures with mouse traps. I've had a very proud week. Can you so a uh, uh, a quick rundown? We live in a New York apartment on the ground floor. Yeah, that means that we have mice. That's correct. Um, they're gone for a while. We do some maintenance to get rid of them, and they come back. It's just how it works out here. They do, and mice are dirty and filled with diseases, and so. Well, you may have the best intentions about, you know, caring for the earth. Sometimes they just have to die. If you're sensitive to mouse death, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes in this podcast. I mean, you might have wanted to skip that bit at the beginning where I said stomping on mouse guts. Yeah. Well, that could have been a movie reference. Yeah. So skip that bit. (laughs) Go back. And then skip skip ahead like, let's say, do you want to set a cookie timer? I don't want to set a cookie timer. (laughs) We're already going to do that twice. Anyway, you, you could figure it out. Just skip ahead until you stop hearing us talk about mice. Yeah. So uh, we have had luck with various traps. Yeah. We don't do live ones because, like, what's the plan after that? Like, yeah, taking it on a subway to Central Park. I'm not then, about to do that. No. So, so we've got we've got some snap traps. We've got some glue traps. The and snaps worked for a while. Mm-hmm. We caught a few. Great. It's disgusting, but not too much because they're hidden. That's fine. But we put out some glue ones, too, because our recent batch of snaps weren't working. Um, and so we have caught two this week. That's correct. Hooray for us, bad for the mice. And I, I just want to rush forward to the point of this story, <laughs> because people don't need to know about our various mouse traps. The we've, first one died of natural causes, stepping on a glue trap. Yeah, we've caught some mice recently, uh, but most recently, Kate was home. She saw a mouse Walking across the floor. Walking. And I will let you take it from here, cat, Kate. Oh, kind of like a cat. Kind of like a cat. Uh, Well, what I did was I picked up a glue trap and kind of on a whim tossed it at the mouse. Real quick, a glue trap is like a piece of cardboard. Cardstock with glue on it. Great. That's it. It's a. Yeah. A plane of glue. You take this piece of cardstock with glue on it. And I. Toss it at the mouse, uh, ninja throwing star style. I think in my head I was thinking it would land close to the mouse and maybe the mouse would get confused and then step on it. No, it hit the mouse, smashed it into the, I mean under the mouse kind of, but it was enough force to smash it into the bookcase it was in front of. Mm -hmm. No blood was spilt, but I'm pretty sure the mouse was killed on impact. And stuck to the glue in one fell swoop. It, it's amazing. It's the greatest thing I've ever accomplished. Uh, you know, maybe not the proudest in terms of like moral, mm. but uh, it was really cool. Yeah. It, and <laughs> I, who am uh, like a solid foot taller than you, am now terrified of you. Yeah. You've requested that I don't throw anything at you. Thank you. Anyway. Uh, so there are no mice in this apartment. Knock on... Uh, wood and, and the streets are paved with oh something else. I don't know. Yeah, um, whiskey with, with mouse traps. Although less now than before because yeah. they had mouse in them. <laughs> they had mouse in them. Dick, tell, tell us the untrapped, free to be who they are mice that we're talking about today. <laughs> what? Well, they're not dead. In free these to movies. be who they are. Free to be. 
in their movies. Was this trying to be a free to be you and me reference? So this week, uh, uh, last last time on Mouse Month. Last time on Mouse Month. Uh, we discussed The Rescuers mm-hmm. and The Secret of Nim, mm-hmm. 7782. Which, uh, Disney and Don Bluth, respectively. This week, we are also talking about a Disney mouse film mm-hmm. named... The Great Mouse Detective. And a Don Bluth mouse film named... The Greater Mouse Detective. Well... An American tale. <laughs> an American tale. No detectives involved. So, basically, they round out uh, the famous mouse movie quartet of the <laughs> 70s to 80s. Yeah, it's, Widely discussed in film circles. It's, it's a very strange little set of movies that we've decided to talk about. I mean, not a strange set of movies. They're all about mice. But it just, it kind of worked out because we had a suggestion from one of our listeners. Thanks, Rachel Vickers. Again, we'll be using your suggestions for the next seven years because <laughs> you sent so many. But she, she's, she gave us like three mouse movies. I think mm-hmm. it was Nim, uh, Mouse Detective, and... An American Tale. American Tale. Tale. Right. And we said, well, let's make it an even four. We'll do two straight episodes all about mice. Uh, and it, it lines up really interesting. Lee, because our first set of movies is like, it was like Don Blue's kind of last Disney and then his first solo effort. Mm-hmm. And now we're at, uh, these are both 1986. They are both 1986. These are right before, like the Renaissance, Little Mermaid 89. is 89, right? So these are pretty close up against the Renaissance. And this is like peak competition yeah. for Disney. Uh, really, and this is this gross uh, American Tale gross is higher than American Great Mouse Tale Detective, is the right? first uh, competitor to outgross a Disney film in the same year in in like seventy years of Disney or yeah, something in, at this point yes in literally all of Disney's history uh, so it's it's a big deal like this is like remember when when Pixar happened and it was like oh man Disney's got nothing compared mm-hmm. to this company and then Disney bought them and you know. But um, like it was that same kind of energy. Like, oh man, oh. did you see the rescuers? But did you see American Tale? Right. It like, flipped the scales for uh, about two and a half years, mm-hmm. three years, I guess. That's no, it's Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving, eighty six to eighty nine. Yeah. Um, and they are both musicals. Speaking mm-hmm. of the Renaissance, sort uh, of. Yeah, they're sort, sort of, of music. They are. I think you described it as they are musical. Yeah, they're musical. <laughs> um, yeah, you have you have a, a a grand theory of musicals that we'll that get we'll get into a little bit later. But the characters sing songs. Yes, and in the other two mice movies, they did not. They're just it's just like ambient folk yeah. music. Yeah. Um, and there's also uh, you know kind of a parent separated from a child mm-hmm. plotline um, in common, which. We kind of had forgot about in the Great Mouse. De- I had, I had forgotten about in the Great Mouse Detective. Mm. Or slash didn't know. Uh, so that was a neat thing as well. So uh, speaking of Great Mouse Detective, yeah. what is what is your experience with it? Have you seen it before? Yeah. So I think I saw it in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I was familiar with the Radigan song from our uh, beloved sing-along cassette series that we've mentioned on this podcast mm-hmm. before. But I did like. Like, why else would I know the name Olivia of this, like, small mouse character that doesn't really appear in the rest of Disney 
Uh, yeah, we watched this movie and we talked about this movie afterwards and I didn't know the character's name. Besides like Basil and Radigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I must have I must have had more contact with it than I thought. Um, but it was not really a thing I grew up with. I think my brother liked it more than me. Yeah. So that's, there was maybe the tangential experience. But yeah. yeah, otherwise, not a big presence, but I knew about it. Yeah. What about you, Dick? Uh, this was my first time watching this movie. Um, this is weird. I think you said on, on maybe on the last episode when we were talking about the rescuers, uh, having that kind of like, oh, I've seen every Disney movie or I've seen every animated Disney movie mentality. (laughs) And then, oh, well, not that one, but (laughs) does that one count? Um, I feel kind of the same about Grace Mouse Detective. It's like, yeah, of course I've seen Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella and Little Mermaid. Great mouse detect. Uh like probably. I don't know. <laughs> um but yeah, no, no, as we watched it, I realized I, I didn't know anything that was going on. Uh I mean I knew well watching it. I wasn't lost. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I'd definitely never seen it before outside of like clips from countdowns of like Disney's greatest villains or mm-hmm. things like you know, the mm-hmm. the YouTube dreck that you end up on uh <laughs> when you're home alone. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm a I'm a set of cookie timer. Yeah, you're gonna summarize this one for us, right? A different type of mouse trap. You're because gonna... if you give a mouse a cookie, yeah, watch out. Oh, it's just like giving a moose a muffin. It's you're gonna get a whole brutal. children's book out of it. Let me. Okay, so uh, are you ready to start, Holmes? Uh, I am, uh, my dear Dawson. <laughs> And I'll I'll start now. All right, go. Uh, so it's end of the 1800s London, and uh, there's a toy shop owner, and he's giving his daughter a, a toy, but then a bat comes in and kidnaps him. Nah. What? The little girl, Olivia, uh, goes to London to find the great mouse detective. His name is Basil, but she can't find him. So this kindly stranger, Dawson on the street, helps her find him. That's kind of weird, but that's fine. So they both get introduced to this Basil character. First of all, he's like, nah, I don't work with children. But then when she mentions the bat, he's like, oh, he must work for Radigan. This is a bigger, I want to solve this now. So they go on an adventure trying to solve the case. And uh, Basil, when he, he's, he's the Sherlock Holmes character, he gets clues, he processes them, and then gets on to the next step. Uh, Radigan is this rat, but don't call him a rat. And he um, is bent on ruling all of Mousedom. And so he has this plot. He has kidnapped the toy maker to build him a robot of the Mouse Queen to replace the Mouse Queen and then give him the title of mouse king um so eventually after a lot of chasing and action sequences they find radigan but radigan ties them up uh, and leaves them for dead he has his trap and he tries to usurp the throne but no they escape and they foil his plan and then uh radigan and basil chase slash adventure through big ben and then they both fall oh no radigan falls but Basil comes back up on this little flying machine. Yay, he's saved. And then Olivia gets reunited with her father. And then Dawson and uh, uh, Basil unite as a crime-solving team uh, and best friendship for many adventures to come, we assume. The end. I finished in time. Four, three, two, one. 
Summary is done. Summary is done. That's is that the first one you've ever done on time? I think so. That's impressive. Dick, I'm having a week. You are. I'm, I'm ninja starring <laughs> mice. I am. You're uh, just killing it. Coming in way out of the cookie timer. You're killing timer. it and killing them. This is a good. This is a week where I should get a lottery ticket or something. All right. Well, uh, I will get you a copy of that short story. <laughs> Thank you. Oh no! Shoot. The lottery ticket is the movie starring Bette Midler. The lottery is the short story. Is it definitely? Definitely. We get them confused. I don't. Okay. Except for just then, when I did. Uh, well, Dick, as a first-time viewer, what did you think of the movie? It was pretty good. Yeah. I was uh, surprised that I hadn't seen it, considering it was pretty good. Uh, I've seen plenty of movies from before that. Mm-hmm. And from after that, mm-hmm. I just somehow I've never seen that. Yeah. It was it was it was enjoyable. Um, there was great action. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of good comedy. Uh, There's some really fun characters, some effective moments. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. I think, I think each scene is done really well. Whereas in Rescuers, I was bored every scene, even some of the adventure scenes. Mm-hmm. I feel like the pacing was better. Just in, you know, nine years, I think sound editing gets better. Mm-hmm. I think the directors do a really good job. Two of the four directors are are Faves, Musker and Clemens. That's correct. Um, there's a lot of the... It's basically the Renaissance team working on this movie. Yeah, and it shows. Yeah, it's yeah. Glenn Keane, it's Mark Henn, mm-hmm. Ruben Aquino, um, the Andreas Deja. Like a lot of your animators who will do... The biggest characters of the Renaissance are all on this movie, mm-hmm. and you're right; it does show. No, the characters are more expressive. The, the, yeah, there's there's a certain like I feel like it pays respect to old Disney mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but there's like a little bit more fluid. Like there there's some more like the, I feel like there are some definite advancements in this movie that lead us then to. Um, the beginning of the Renaissance and one of Disney's greatest achievements, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and then mm-hmm. the Little Mermaid. Yeah, as a as a child of squarely the '90s, like yeah. I am almost literally too young to remember any of the '80s. Sure, um, but I was there. Uh, this feels like the maybe like the moment on the roller coaster, like right before the. No, that's the wrong metaphor. Anyway, it's like... I mean, right before the drop, because the drop is the exciting part. The drop is the exciting part. Like, I can feel that this is almost a movie that I recognize. Yeah, like we're about to go. As an aesthetic genre. Like, Mm -hmm. this is almost a movie, and you know, movie in quotes, but something I grew up with. Whereas Rescuer seems very far away. Also, uh, just of note, I think... I think before we watch uh, uh, a movie uh, from an era, I think we should watch like part of a kids' cartoon show from the era. Because That's like, fair. like if you go back and look at like this, this movie was beautifully animated. Mm-hmm. There's, it doesn't matter if you compare, but if you look at like the Transformers, mm. which moved at like two frames a second and was mainly just still shots. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, this is, this is a work of art. That's true. I've not thought about that as like television. It's, there's more episodes, so it's more done on the cheap. Yeah. What a movie must've looked like in comparison to other anime. Cause for, you know, animated movies, the only comparison is 
animated TV shows. Yeah, for you can't movie really movies, compare you've to... got different directors and different genres of live action, mm-hmm. but animated films are their own genre, so yeah. you don't have any basis of comparison. No. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was dope. Yeah. So that was summer of 86. That's correct. And then Thanksgiving rolls around. Mm. Your favorite holiday. It is my favorite holiday. Yeah. That's true. Uh, it's it's food-based, yep. and uh, you get to see people you like. That's yeah. great. And you get to make a turkey. You get to make a turkey. You, you do yeah. a wonderful job at it. Thank uh, you. Thank you. I, I enjoy it. Um, yeah, so uh, at this point in time, an American tale comes out. <laughs> Dick, did you you would have you could have been old enough to see this in the theaters? Yeah, did you? I don't think so. I I actually don't know. I'd have to ask my parents. Uh, I would have been four at this time, four and a half. Um, so it might have been early for me. I I I remember see, speaking of. I remember seeing Transformers the movie in theaters, and I oh. think that was like eighty nine. Yeah, might have been earlier. Um, but anyway, I don't, I don't remember if I saw this in theaters or not. I do know that we had it on VHS and I watched it like crazy. Uh, I've seen this movie a lot of times, but like in the last 10 years, I've maybe seen it twice. Uh-huh. Uh, but as a kid, like this was like in my veins. This was the on repeat, like this if was, something was playing in the house. It this was, was one this. of many yeah. on repeat movies, you know. But this was this was definitely one of them because I know this movie very very well. Nice. No. So I I did not grow up with this movie. No, I you've had up, you've seen it twice now. Right? I've seen it twice in the last two years, and that's all. Uh, I'm late to the movie as a human, uh, like many in my generation. Uh, Fivel is a cowboy to me. <laughs> He's someone who goes west. Yeah. Uh, that's like, that's Fivel. To me, like the image of Fivel, and now I've seen this movie two times, the image has changed, but just, you know, you know, the free association is like, yeah, Fivel wears a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. That's, that's his costume. That's yeah. what he does. Whereas that is the sequel in like 91, 92, which makes sense. It was an era where I was paying attention to animation. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen that movie either. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think just like when I was a kid and we'd talk about the show Family Matters, we would say, "Oh, you gotta watch Urkel tonight," because Steve Urkel is yeah. the star. Kind of. Um, when people talk about American Tale, they're like, "Oh, Fivel and Fivel Goes West." Fivel Goes West. Those are the two movie names. Fun fact, his name is spelled differently in the opening and end credits of An American Tale. Wait, really? Yeah. How is it spelled? Um, it is spelled F, F-I-E and F-E-I, ah, depending. That's and I funny. think they keep F-I-E. That's the one they keep for yeah. the rest of the sequels. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so even uh, they didn't know how to spell it. Kate, you want to give me uh, you want to give me two minutes on the clock? Uh, I will. Oh. I'm ready to tackle this. I think I got this. All right. Let's see. Hold on. Mouse. Okay, I got it. Kowit. Go. Mouse. Um, also, mouse, kind of. Um, <laughs> yeah. There is a family of mice. Uh, they are Russian Jews, and the Cossacks are coming to invade this Russian town. The family of mice is like, well, we got to get out of here because the Cossacks also bring 
Cossack cats to invade this Russian town. The mice are like, cool, we gone. Our town is on fire. So they escape to America. Um, they're on the boat to America. They meet some other mice. Uh, Fivel, who is the son of this family, uh, gets lost. He like goes up aboard deck to see some fish. And he gets knocked overboard in a storm. And he is separated from his family. He winds up um, in America on the Statue of Liberty. He meets a bird who help, who's like, yeah, let me help you. Let me take you to Ellis Island. That's probably where your folks are. Uh, he ends up getting adopted or like um, um, sold off into <laughs> child labor uh, by this horrible dude named Warranty Rat. Um, he escapes the child labor. He ends up uh, like hanging out with this other escapee who falls in love with a girl who's leading a labor movement or like a movement uh, where they're striking against cats. Um, and he ends up kind of accidentally inspiring the end plan where the uh, anti-cat movement herds all the cats to one area and then they release this giant uh, monster like robot mouse. Also along the way he meets Tiger who's a cat who likes mice but not in that way. He just likes them not for food. Uh, that's how he says it. Uh, what else? At the end uh, Fievel and his family are reunited uh, through a Beautiful and teary scene. And then, uh, presumably, they go west. Then they go west. Yeah, they already start going west. I mean, this movie, if Fievel goes west in this movie. Yeah, so Russia I, to Europe to the United States. It's all west. Yeah, he does movement. go from Russia to Germany. Yeah. Uh, he could go east from Germany, go around the Cape go around South America and end up in New York. We don't see that journey, but from Russia to Germany is definitely that is west. So possible. So yes, he definitely goes west in this movie too. Does Tiger really say I like mouse but not in that way? It's like not in that way or like not the way you think or, or something like that. That's weird. Well he means the if he says, Oh I like mice and Fievel is scared because oh, he thinks he's going to eat them. The way you said it. I know. It was I realized different... as soon as it came out of my mouth, it, <laughs> it had a different connotation. <laughs> okay. But no, just, he just. I'm glad Tiger, we clarified. Tiger just meant that he did not want to eat Fievel. That's correct. Tiger's nice. Yeah. Uh, yes. I am very glad that we watched this movie uh, for this podcast in the last week. Because. The rest of my experience with An American Tale after not seeing it mm -hmm. was seeing it two years ago yeah. when the my first, boyfriend... The first time you saw this. You was like, this is my favorite movie from growing up. This is why I love Don Bluth. This movie is so great. We're going to see it. You've never seen it? Okay, we're going to see it. And this is your first Bluth, too. This is my first Bluth. Yeah, full Bluth. Like, I've seen bits and pieces of Land sure. Before Time. Anastasia doesn't super count. Anastasia is so very different from all his other work. Yeah. Uh, and we watched it, and... You reacted poorly. I reacted poorly. Um, well, if you've ever shown someone a... The movie a, played poorly. Let's, if you've ever shown someone a movie, and you're like, hey, this movie, you're going to love this. Think of the exact way you don't want them to react, Aww. and that is how you reacted. <laughs> you 
to you be not fair, o- you not only didn't like the movie, you hated the movie. I did. You did. To be fair, you were very unimpressed with it in that viewing. It, yeah, it and did I, not meet your childhood expectations. It did not, and that's that's true. Um, it was a weird bit where, like, I remembered every scene really well, which I don't remember anything really well. So Correct. I was like, oh, when like this is the part I remember of this scene. There's probably more. And then Obviously, the scene would end. There's filler connecting these two scenes, so yeah. it doesn't seem so random and arbitrary. Yeah, and there there are some like I I upon watching it again, I I didn't like sense that as much and I didn't but yeah, the the when I watched it with you the first time you watched it, like I was less impressed and you were very unimpressed. I was very unimpressed. This time, I think uh, a combination of uh, lowered expectations mm-hmm. and seeing a lot of different animated movies, mm-hmm. including, for instance, The Reef uh, <laughs> or Shark Bait. Yeah. That's just really you've, like, there are no writers. what a bad working. movie looks like. There are like. no writers on this yeah. movie. Everyone's making it up. Yeah. In fairness, I am a, a fan of bad movies. <laughs> that's, uh, like, that's I, watch, I watch bad movies on purpose because I think it's fun. Uh, so I have plenty of experience with, with the worst of what movies can bring. And, uh, you had not seen the reef yet. No, but, but so now I have, I saw more connective tissue this time around. I was more, um, invested in Fievel's plot Mm -hmm. despite Fievel, which we'll get into later, Mm -hmm. um, into the family reunification plot, let's say that. Yeah. Um, I noticed more, it maybe went over my head or I was distracted by other things um, that there's <laughs> there's a lot of ragtime in this movie. Also, uh, that's known as history, yeah. <laughs> historical elements. There's a lot from... of historical elements, but, <laughs> but a lot of those are elements of yeah. the musical ragtime. There, yeah, the Not labor Not the music movement. genre, but the musical ragtime, which is one of our favorite musicals. Yeah, the immigrant experience, labor unions, child labor, which is interesting in a movie that seems very aimed at kind of trying to recapture Golden Age Disney. Mm-hmm. Like, I see a lot of Pinocchio in this, like, in imagery and... Well, it wasn't too far from now that Disney tried to recapture the Golden Age musical with a musical about child labor. (gasps) What you're going to do? I can't. I couldn't think of a lyric on the spot. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Newsies is kind of similar themes. It's like class struggle and, and yeah. workers' rights and stuff, which is a weird thing for Disney to talk about at all. But, um, but yeah, so like I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's like an element where people are like this is this is the thing that's gonna get them. Yeah. I, Spoiler and for Newsies: It did not. It did not do well. No, it did not do well. Great movie. Did um, not do but well. it is it. Ended up being a hit on Broadway. So all you have to do is wait 20 years and some nostalgia and sell anything. Just put Jeremy Jordan in it. You're Newsy, good. I like Newsies. I like the... I've, I've still not seen the original movie. Which we'll, we'll, we'll remedy. We'll watch a few more of the Reefs first maybe before. <laughs> I think that might be the case. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, it definitely... I mean, okay. So it seems like last... Round of Mouse Month, mm-hmm. Secret of Nim, quote unquote, won 
against the re- the rescuers. Yeah. Do you see in these two movies? And we don't. We this is not something we do on this podcast of like. No, which we don't. Movie wins. We don't give but, them like ratings. I mean, uh, sometimes it's clear yeah. which one we like better. But do I see a clear winner? Um, I assume is what you're going to ask. Yeah, or like what resonates more? Like what ends up hitting you more? I, so, I think there's two elements to it. Um, I think that that both movies are really well crafted. Uh, I think American Tale has, uh, I think it looks better mm-hmm. as a movie. Uh, and obviously it has more heart. Like yeah. there's, whether you like him or not, there's a main character who has a very real plight mm-hmm. uh, and a family who has a very real plight. And when they get back together, it's a heartwarming thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's the Disney happy ending. Yeah. Whereas um, Great Mouse Detective mm-hmm. is more plot based, like mm-hmm. uh, more here's step one of the plot, here's step two. There is a family reunification piece, sure, but it's not given much weight. Like it's Olivia, not, it's not our main character. Olivia it's wants a, to get her dad back. It's a tertiary character, but uh, she's also like having fun along the way. It's not like she's getting like right. sadder the more time it takes. To yeah. get dad, she's she's kind of enjoying being a detective. But what Grace Mouse Detective has over American Tale is fun. Mm. American Tale is fun, but Great Mouse Detective is a blast. Mm. It's it's funny. I don't think I really laugh at American Tale. There's a yeah. couple of moments. Great Mouse Detective is funny. There's amazing action sequences, and I I think there's just um, the the like adventure. For like lack of a better word, yeah. there's adventure in that movie, and, and that's exciting. And it's clever adventure. Yeah, I think in when we talked about the rescuers, you mentioned kind of the Indiana Jones benchmark. Which how would you how <laughs> yeah. would you describe that in terms of like what an adventure movie? I mean, uh, you know, Last Last Crusade is or sorry, Last Crusade is my favorite of the Indiana Joneses, but Raiders of the Lost Ark is the first one, and that's the one that came out between these two. Uh, maybe Temple of Doom did, but you know, um, Raiders is like the prototypical, uh, you know, action action adventure, uh, kind of based on the the forties serials or the fifties serials, and it manages to both forward plot and have tension and excitement and humor mm. all at the same time. Like sometimes in the same scene, like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Harrison Ford will crack a joke and it like cuts the tension. The tension's still there, but like you get a little laugh. Yeah. Right before the big scary thing. Yeah. Anything but snakes. Kind and of. it just, yeah, exactly. And it just mushes everything together in a, in a beautiful gumbo. Mm. And Ooh. I think uh, a great mouse detective, like, absolutely like took from that and took from, you know, I'm not saying Indiana Jones is the first good action movie. But um, <laughs> but but like Great Mouse Detective definitely learned from from that and from other from other really like good action movies. Of yeah, the, time. the action sequences are really tight. There's a lot going on. There's like several instances of kind of Rube Goldberg style mechanisms, mm-hmm. and they're delivering funny quips and doing character based things. So it's it was super enjoyable. Yeah, it's interesting that these two movies kind of flip what you might expect or or maybe it isn't yeah. that interesting just correct that like blue 
was Bluth left Disney mm-hmm. because he thought they were getting too far away from their original Walt mission. Yeah. So which it makes was, sense. Which is like one, making movies with heart, and mm-hmm. two, trying new things, exploring, mm-hmm. innovating. So it makes sense that of these two movies, his is the more sentimental one. Mm-hmm. It's the one that tugs the heartstrings. And, yeah. Um, and it's it's the one where we look at the animation in, in several spots and go, wow. Gr- yeah. Great Mouse Detective has, definitely has a scene or two that are impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we we watched the Mouse of Minsk and we couldn't figure out how it was yeah, done. Yeah, that robot thing. It looks yeah. it it almost looks so stylistically different that you think it's pulled from another movie. Like I saw Miyazaki yeah. in it and like the bold lines and, and we were the we were trying to figure it out movement. and you were like that that's got to be paint over CG, just like the gears in Great Mouse Great Detective. Great Mouse Detective, yeah. And it turns out it's it's um, rotoscoped, so mm-hmm. they they like made a model and then traced. and then traced it, and that's that, that's so cool. I get that, but it's still like it's different lines, and yeah. I feel like different coloring. It's, oh yeah, there's a couple different things going on. Rotoscope accounts though for some. That's yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, it certainly has a more like. Oh, you're trying to do a cohesive thing with the art. There's a lot of like mist and glow. Mm-hmm. I, to me, I like the visual uh, aesthetic and secretive name a little bit better, mm-hmm. where everything's kind of clear and there's lighting it's a little and more there's cohesive. sparks. Yeah. Yeah. Fievel. Whereas uh, Fievel is just like through a fuzzy lens. We're even calling it Fievel. Yeah, it's now. fine. Yeah. It's like there's a there's like a fuzzy lens. Mm. And that, that's a very, like, Bambi thing. That's mm-hmm. a very old-school Disney thing. Um, There's a lot of, like, representational stuff, mm-hmm. which, like, we have kind of mixed feelings on, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's yeah. like, the Don Bluth classic is, even though there's no reason for this scene to be read, the emotions make this scene red. Like, there's not a red light source. Oh, yeah. But it's just, like, this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. This, I think, comes to, like, a head in, um... The storm uh, scene, is that what you're talking about? No, no, the movie with the dinosaurs. Oh, in Land Before Time. Land Before where Time. Where everyone is, all of the colors, every scene. All of the colors, all the scenes. But, the but like, the storm scene is another example where things are, too. like, representational instead of real. It's cool. It's, so, like, Fievel, uh... Fievel... Leaves the boat. I believe his name is An American Tale. An, Am- An American Tale leaves the boat. No, Fievel leaves the boat. Fievel, or like he goes onto the deck and then gets swept into the ocean and like it, it essentially gets eaten by the ocean a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but the waves come up and then the crests form in such a way that it looks like a giant man mm-hmm. with like muscles and beard made out of ocean foam is like picking up Fievel and throwing him. It's a cool effect. Yeah. Like, talk about Pinocchio. It seems very mm-hmm. driven by that kind or of like... Fantasia is Fant- another yeah. one where it's like, oh yeah, I can see that influence. Like, oh yeah, I've had a nightmare like this. Like, <laughs> uh, But also it's the only... Unlike Fantasia, it's right. the only time something like that is used the entire movie. So it's, it's a little... So it feels more like a gimmick to me than a... Than or, something that's cool. Or the, on on first viewing, you were like, what, "Are there, are there sea monsters? Are there? Is this another character? Is this what is? Oh, oh, it's it's. 
But yeah, we don't really know that this is representation. Yeah, if, it's not Hercules where like it's a god or... Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you've even made the suggestion um, that if we saw that that Fievel always like saw things... Yeah, like his imagination over-exaggerates everything he sees. Yeah. One, I think that would work a little bit better for his character because mm-hmm. his character makes a lot of impulsive choices and yeah. I understand that he's like six, but he is, like, still you, some... You describe things as chaos Muppets sometimes. Oh, he's man, an impulse he's such Muppet. such a chaos Muppet, yeah. yeah. He just 100% operates on impulse. And, and maybe that would, like if he, you know, uh, kind of like the episode of Pinky and the Brain where you get inside Pinky's brain and realize that he's always running this imaginative stream of consciousness... And every time he answers, are you pondering what I'm pondering? His answer makes perfect sense to based him. on yeah. the narrative that's been going on in his head. But it comes out as uh, mass confusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Kate, do you want to tell us a little bit about Fievel the character? Well, yeah. Because you, I, I have never really thought critically about Fievel. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's the mouse. He's cute. You have a, a specific. I, okay, so let's let's start. Let, okay, let let's start here, because I do have strong opinions on Fievel, but I feel like I want them to be maybe a little bit more summative. So let's start here. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite tweets of all time, uh, comes up around Christmas time of the year, and the tweet goes something like this: uh, Vince Giraldi. Or Giraldi, uh, who wrote all the Charlie Brown special music. Uh, Vince Giraldi, comma, uh, while recording the uh, Christmas Time Christmas is Here time from the Charlie Brown Christmas here. album, colon, no, period, shittier, period. <laughs> I, it, first of all, I hate peanuts, but that's a different story. That's a different story. As an elementary music teacher, but also I feel like as someone who appreciates good music, I am personally offended anytime in media a children's choir is portrayed as bad singers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas is an, ex- is an especially egregious example of yeah. this. Um, Fievel is another. Fievel and his sister. He's a terrible singer. So one of the reasons I I have trouble connecting with Fievel is that he could have done a few more takes on somewhere out there. Or they, like there were, (laughs) there let's let I I need to take a moment on somewhere out there. Yeah, this song is beautiful. It's a great song. It's such a good song. There are good songs in both of these movies. I have cried at the community version where Troy and Abed sing this. Mm -hmm. Uh, The like non comedic versions just oh, mm. but the version in the movie is the worst version. So it's a duet. So as we said, both of these movies are musical. And they have songs that the characters sing. That's true. Um, f- uh, so American Tale, one of the songs is this duet between Fievel and his sister. Mm-hmm. They've been separated for a while. This is like halfway through the movie. And they're singing at the moon somewhere out there. You know, this, we'll, we'll find each other again. Uh, looking at the same big star. And it's a neat song. It goes somewhere out there. Da, 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 and I don't know the words. Uh-huh. Um, that's how it's written. 
Uh-huh. How five will perform will you be five will to my uh, I will I will absolutely not. To my Tilly? No. I, okay. I will unlike so unlike the writers, unlike I the makers of this movie, I will not subject our audience to bad singing on purpose. Okay, that is absolutely enough of that. <laughs> that is that hurt my ears. Please don't do that again. It can be a beautiful scene. All you had to do was like edit some takes together. Yeah. Just have them sing the high note in isolation with the big breath before it. Or or, or hire a different child singer. Jonathan it Taylor Thomas can't King. sing. Hire Jason Weaver. Doesn't yeah. matter. Like yeah. that's fine. It's fine. Who's the who's that the the jerk kid on Full House? Aaron Bailey. Great. Oh no, Derek. Derek. You mean Derek? Yeah. Hire Derek. He's probably a better singer yeah. than Fievel. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, just someone. Just someone. Um, he might be like one year old at this point. but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> if he can sing, cast him. It's fine. Um, no, it's, it is, it is, I, I. It is distracting. We have, we have some thoughts on why this happened. But yeah, it is, it is distracting that these children are singing so badly. Yeah. And this is not, by the way, this is not an attack on the children. No. They were, I, I am sure, singing their guts out. I They're just not good singers. It's poor music direction. It's poor casting of singers. They do well in the speaking roles. And, and I, f- I firmly believe that the adults in the room said, you know what's cute? Kids singing badly. Let's put that in our movie. But, they, but none of them were smart. None of those adults were smart. It's just it's if they were hitting the notes, I wouldn't mind it. Like I would yeah. I don't I don't no, mind you can be a little bit like your tone you don't have to be Annie belting, yeah. right? Like you can be in your head voice, you can be wavering a little bit. Yeah. But hit the notes. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me because the cause so there are several songs in American Tale. Mm-hmm. Um they are fun. I think they're good songs. And and by the way, the only one that Fievel ruins is somewhere out there. Yeah, and he sings in several of them. And and they're they're in his range. Yeah. And like they're quick enough, they're not sustained notes, like whatever it is, yeah. he doesn't ruin those. They're not it would somewhere out there is not written for children. No. But I do firmly believe that like with the proper training, children can expand their kind of vocal or, not vocal range, but like they, they there's some tricks that you can use. Yeah. Or, or like a you single said, performance even, or a single Even phrase. editing. Just like, yeah. cool, hold this note. We're going to edit gonna it in. We're going to chop the middle of it, yeah. Like, that's fine. The worrying part is maybe they did that. Maybe. Maybe, maybe this was the best take. Oh. So, but the Cats in America song, that's yeah. fun. Um, never say never, I really like. Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything. It's well, a pigeon you meet once. Uh, never say never. he comes back at the end. Never say never. And then there's the duet song between Tiger and Fievel. Yeah. Which is fun. I love that song. Also doesn't super do much. And the first time I watched it, I thought I still thought he was going to eat him at the end of it. You're incorrect. I, I was. They go west. I was. <laughs> they keep on going west. The end of it is that they go west. Fievel is always just circumnavigating I mean, we don't, the globe. We don't know that westward. Tiger has gone west before. That's true. I mean, presumably at That's some true. point he's gone west. Yeah. So it speaks to, okay, so the failure of Somewhere Out There speaks to the fact that they definitely wanted music in it. Yes. But they didn't necessarily have like 
have the type of people that can that can for sure make every song effective. Sure. But right? Kate, and, mm-hmm. Kate, I want to get us I want to take us back around okay. to the original point. And we'll get we'll get more into Great Mouse Detective. All you all you Radigan fans, don't worry, we're we got some for you. Uh but Kate, I I want to know more. I always thought of Fievel as just the nice sweet mouse. No, you have a jerk. you have other thoughts. Fievel yes. is a jerk. I hate him from the beginning. Okay. He's cute. From the beginning? He's cute in one From the beginning. Scene. As soon as they get chased out of their home, I'm out. Right? Mm. Like, he finds his way off from the family track, even in that, like, Cossack scene, right? Yeah. He's, like, he bad. Leaves, he leaves the house to go fight cats. Yeah. He's bad at being a child in a family. Like, so he, he almost gets eaten by the cats and almost causes chaos because he runs off from the family, not safe, not a good idea. Right. His mom says, never do that again. And Fival laughs like it's funny. No, Fival almost died. Yeah. He doesn't know. But he's being told, you almost died. Anyway, they get on the boat. Fival's slowing them down, asking what everything is. People are running into him and yelling. He's a, he, he just needs to keep moving forward. And his parents need to be enforcing this. It a, seems like maybe this is a co. Uh, uh, seems like a very nice, curious child. To seems me. like a problem on both sides, uh, because the parents aren't doing much about it either. Anyway, several times on the boat, Fivel wanders away from his family, almost gets like injured or gets someone else injured. Fivel, you can't do that. You got to stay with the family. They say, and he says, "Okay," and then he keeps not. He keeps being shitty. Okay, well, I, I don't, I don't agree with any of this yet, but there is one point where Fivel does a real dick move, and I gotta admit that, that you've got it here. So he's seen, he's seen fish earlier, and like Dad says, oh, you haven't seen fish. Some of them are as big as the boat. Fivel's <gasps> like, yeah, I want to see those fish. So later, during like a monsoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fievel escapes from the family again. Not a good time to escape from the family when the boat is like rocking sideways and there's water sloshing around in the hall. Anyway, he sees a fish flop in from the outside. Another sign that he shouldn't be out and about. And he's like, cool, I'm going to see some more on the deck. All this time, his father is calling, Fievel, Fievel, come back here. Not listening. He He hears his dad, but he doesn't care. And then he takes the family heirloom hat off his head, looks at it, says, oh no, my hat. And then, like a jerk, tosses his hat onto the deck to have an excuse to go out there. Dumb. So dumb. He didn't have to do that. And then he gets torn apart from his family and blown into the ocean. He deserves it. He does not deserve to have a better life in America with his family. And you know what? Survival of the fittest. His family is better without him because they've almost gotten killed multiple times because of Fibel's uh, misadventures. So this whole idea that I'm supposed to be invested in Fibel being reunited with his family, broken, dead on arrival for me. I don't care. You, you, I constantly wish against. You are an unsympathetic monster. I, I can't, I can't even begin to fathom where you're coming from. My hat. No, 
jerk. You have your hat in your hand. Get, yeah. Get out of here. He's like four. I think he's like six. Well, and he's but a also, mouse. But also, he should know better. He's been told multiple times in multiple settings. Not very well, I guess. Well, I guess so. Yeah. You know what? I was I was an adventurous and curious child. I I am sure that if I were hurt, you would have enjoyed that as well. If what? I just I I would I would play in construction sites and go jump around in the woods and do things I probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Did you not? As a well, child? But like there was a if if my parents said, "Hey, that's unsafe. Yeah, I listened the first time. Like, no, almost always. That makes it more appealing. No, well. It's like, hey, that's not safe, honey. Whoa. Cool. I don't know. I'm not. It, it, this is all Fievel's fault. He had like 10 steps that he could have undone before getting lost from his family. And eh, unsympathetic. Yep. You know who I like watching a lot better on Who screen? do you like watching? Uh, Radigan. Yes. Oh, Radigan. Yes. The world's greatest criminal. Rat. Not rat. Mouse. Not rat. Mind. Don't call him a rat. Yeah, Radigan. Uh, uh, one, of, one of three songs in The Great Mouse Detective. That's correct. Has 75% of the song content of American Tale. Uh, yeah. Most of it's in Radigan, I would say. <laughs> Yeah. Most of the song content of this movie is in yeah. Radigan. Radigan is is a, a longer song, or it at is. least a full song, and it's with got like some... a scene in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's the stripper mouse song. Yes, uh, it has nothing to do with anything. It it is a complete cul de sac. You see the song, you leave. It has nothing to do with anything. That song is great. It is performed well. It is performed by a character. Radigan is like the Gaston song, right? Yeah. Like Radigan's explaining why he's so awesome. Uh, stripper mouse song is a background piece, more like Jessica Rabbit. Well, Kate, I'm confused. That's only two songs. Is there a third song? Possibly the best song in the whole movie? There sure is. Tell me about it. This is something I forgot about. So, um, what do you say? This turns from an Indiana Jones to a Bond movie. It's in this a Bond, scene. yes. He, uh, Radigan, in order for Basil and Dawson to not thwart his plan of usurping the queen's throne, ties them up on a mouse trap with this elaborate like system of booby traps around them. Mm-hmm. So like they're not gonna escape, and at the st- at, at some oh, so at a certain time all these traps are gonna go off. Yes, and it's gonna be set off by this record player. Yeah, because what is he he? So so Radigan has <clears throat> like a piece of string tied to the. The record player arm, and when it when it gets to the end of the record that it's on, like a gun is gonna go off, and an axe is gonna fall on them, and a mouse trap is gonna go off, and a camera is gonna go off, so he can watch them die because he won't be there for it. No. Uh. So, <laughs> but the the record is a song that he wrote for them for this occasion for this occasion. It's called Goodbye, Goodbye So Soon or Goodbye Something to like You. Something like that. Yeah, Goodbye So Long. And it's Vincent Price. Vincent Price plays Radigan. Yep. He's awesome. Yes. Singing this like uh, like tiptoe through the tulip style. Like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But in, in a, so like, an octave or two down from tiptoe. But yes. Yeah. 
But yeah, um, it's it's like a fun little goodbye song. It it reminds me of like um uh Happy Trails. Yeah. Or something like that. And yeah. it's it's so sadistic. And like you hear a verse of it and then it just keeps playing as Basil and Dawson talk out what their plan is gonna be yeah, this and enact whole scene it. Is it's happening. Hilarious. Oh. Great use of music, yeah. of diegetic music. Um in a way that just reminds me of something very modern, like kind of like the Lego movie or something. That's yeah. just, there's something going on in the background. And that's, that's the the only non-diegetic song. The only song that like a character is singing out loud mm-hmm. in this movie is Rad Again. Yeah. The uh, I mean, this, the second one is, is a character singing out loud, but she's not like expressing herself. She's literally performing she's literally a song. Singing. Yeah. Rad Again is, yep. Yeah. Monologuing. Which is... Yeah. Really interesting as yeah. well. Um, yeah. So the songs are good. Yeah. They they aren't quite like what I consider to be like modern musical theater yet because yeah. they don't necessarily, besides Radigan, they don't really do anything for the plot or the characters. The Goodbye to You song is in a scene that does something, but mm-hmm. the song specifically doesn't do that. And you've you've said that, uh, I mean, obvi- obviously uh, Ashman and Mencken yeah. coming into the scene completely turned around how musical animation yeah. works. But I mean, they, they turn it into musical theater, right. which it hasn't been Modern up to this point. musical theater. True. Specifically. True. Not just musical theater. Mm-hmm. But... Um, like a quick a quick lesson on musical theater. Yeah. At what point does musical theater like kind of become modern? Yeah. So the the prevailing date is 1959 when Oklahoma comes out. Because mm-hmm. Oklahoma, before Oklahoma, you have what you call your park and bark shows, where like a uh, actor or a group of actors stands on stage, sings a song in the middle of the action. The action resumes once the song is done. Mm -hmm. So it's like a dance number or some big like showcase for the performer's voice. But it doesn't have much to do with the story going on around it. Or or if it does, it's like a comment on the story or a retelling of what's happened or or something like that. Yeah. And so Oklahoma is the first one where you've got plot going on and characterization going on during the songs. Their conversations with each other or their internal monologues where the character by the end of the song has a different viewpoint or has a different action items than the beginning of the song. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because Disney starts moving away from music in their, or away from as much music in their movies around the same time that Oklahoma and modern musical theater is being born. I mean, Peter thinking, Pan's got songs, Snow White. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like all the old Disney songs. Yeah. But they're not what we think of today as modern musical theater. It's like, more stop like the story. Peter Pan has uh, When You Wish Upon... Or, uh, you Can derp. Fly. You Can Fly, you can fly which, is, which is would a, be considered modern musical theater. Well... I See, I, w- I was going to point it as an example of not modern musical mm, theater. Yeah. Because the lyrics are literally said by the characters just before the song starts. So and it's I consider just, that... it's just sung by a chorus. Yeah. So Our characters I, aren't involved. I consider that part of the song. I think the song happens like twice through. Because um, they're saying it in rhythm. There's some music underneath. They Like all the lines rhyme man, because they're to, the song lyrics. I was trying lyrics. to help you. Okay. No, there's um, some flashes, right? There's some glimpses, just I, like Showboat has some glimpses. Just sure. like you know, 
Um, but Ro- Robin Hood would be another example. Mm-hmm. You've got Oodalali, which is sung by yeah. no one in particular. Um, not Nottingham, which is sung by a character, but it's not really like he's just, you know, playing a song mm-hmm. about how things are sad. Um, and is that it in Robin Hood? There's not too much. Yeah. So so it's like they're they're doing this this these songs that are like kind of tied in or they're incidental or you go back to Snow White and you've just got like silly song which is just a silly song because you needed a song at that point yeah and same with Jungle Book like all the songs are Hakuna Matata Mm -hmm. which Hakuna Matata serves a purpose in that movie but um, yeah so you've got like you've got good songs in Disney movies up to Mm -hmm. this point. But they're just more for fun. Yeah. Um, and then Ashman and Mencken elevate the form. Like, hey, look what else we could do mm-hmm. with music. And it works very well for the Disney company. Yes. So, but but I enjoy the musical scenes. Just like the action scenes, I think there's like a purpose to them. Mm-hmm. Even if they aren't super forwarding the story, they are fun. They are well-directed scenes. Mm-hmm. They're great. These movies have a lot of great scenes like i think all great scenes yeah um for me it it comes back to one five will being a jerk yeah <laughs> and uh dick let me ask you uh basil the great mouse detective do you care about him nope yeah i don't i don't to be fair i don't care about any character in that movie except maybe radigan and the bat yeah but out of the like there are like like six characters. So Radigan the Bat, Girl Dad, don't Dawson, care, Basil. Care. Dawson, I just like because he's a kind of fat, goofy guy. Yeah, but to me, like Basil is the least interesting. Yes, of all of them. Yeah, and they don't really give Olivia much to do, but she's still more interesting somehow. Yeah, like in 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 fairness to American Tale, Basil is our lead, and he is also like kind of unlikable. Not as much as Fievel for you, obviously. But he's kind of unlikable and he's just not that interesting. He doesn't he's not really emotionally involved. He's Yeah, he doesn't really grow or learn or He does this weird thing, right? Like Sherlock Holmes has been done every which way yeah. in media and one of the more recently successful uh, tropes with the Benedict Cumber no Benedict Cumberbatch. Wow. I was trying to do one of the made-up names, but then it w- it got too close to his actual name. Yeah. Anyway, of like the super stoic, super detached, but like super dry, funny Sherlock. Because the point is that he's always like doing the clues in his head and he doesn't have time for things like social interactions. Sure. Um, and that's worked well. And you see some of that in this Basil, but he's also a lot loopier than I expected. Yeah, this, this Basil is dumb sometimes like really dumb sometimes and it's confusing to watch yeah like he stumbles around and makes wrong guesses and then all of a sudden he'll be like oh didn't you notice these 14 clues let me list them yeah he and then he has the exact right answer it's never clear like there's a bit where i think oh i get it he thinks he's brilliant and he's not but he accidentally stumbles into the right answers but then in another scene like Oh, he's just brilliant. Right. He so just has the right answer. It's a little unclear. Yeah. yeah. I I 
remember saying during the viewing of this movie, I need him to be like 40% more Jack Sparrow, yeah. who stumbles around, but that's his thing. Like, that's how he problem solves. Yeah. Like, he stumbles around, and then all of a sudden he's on a zip line escaping the British brigade. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it, it didn't ever quite come together for me. No. And so. Yeah, for me, both these movies are more a collection of really good scenes Mm -hmm. as opposed to a really good arc of a movie. I don't know. How do you feel? You Uh, have more attachment to one than I I have to either. I think, so, for me, um, I think American Tale generally works. I think it generally uh, works as a movie Mm -hmm. uh, rather than just a collection of scenes. Um, Because I think there's enough that ties it together. And I think you have a really strong resolution at the end. Mm. Um, I think Great Mouse Detective, I mean, obviously it works as a movie. It was a blast to watch. But we, um, it just lacks, like the ending really lacks. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's resolution, but you don't really care that much about it. And you kind of knew it was going to happen, so it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's not given weight enough for you to care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> if I may uh, invoke my right to talk about Star Trek now, yeah. um, Patrick Stewart uh, plays Jean-Luc Picard on Star Trek Next Generation. And I guess on Picard, which is coming out soon, I don't know. Make but on, on TNG, um, he is the captain of a starship, and... Like, obviously, for, for um, you know, uh, yeah. obviously, for, like, uh, business reasons or for military reasons, he has to be a little bit detached. He has to make these very difficult decisions, da-da-da. But we also see that he's, like, really bad with kids. <laughs> And, uh, and, and Muppets? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, but he's bad with kids. And there are some episodes where we see him forced to inter- interact with kids. There's one where he's like, I want to say like stuck in a turbo lift, like an elevator with some kids. And he has to be the guy that says like, hey, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Or like hey, be a big, brave boy and do this. And he's got to interact with these kids. And in that episode, we see this guy who we know is kind of a grumpy, stoic man. And we see him grow a a little bit, Mm -hmm. just a little bit. We see that growth. We see that he, if he needs to, he can interact with kids. And and like, it's really sweet. Mm -hmm. And if we had something like that here, like if that was, I I don't know. I'm not saying that has to be the growth. Yeah. But we see that that sure, uh, Basil doesn't like interacting with the child. Yeah, you have the setup in that in and that if, first meeting. If in the them. end she had grown on him, yeah, that that could have been something. Yeah. Even just a little bit. As it stands now, when they uh, when he and Radigan fall out of Big Ben, and then you've just got in this kind of like mouse sized blimp. Uh, the toy maker, his daughter, and Dawson. It's like, you know Radigan's not coming back. Oh, well, he was really fun. Yeah. But then when, like, uh, then I'm, like, just looking at the blimp, I'm like, okay, so I got, 
yeah, I've got all my characters accounted for. The movie can end now. Oh, yeah, Basil's coming back. All right, oh. fine. I guess he can stay. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't care about him. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I think what you're talking about would, would go a long way toward making me care. Yeah. Oh. Like, at the end, like, uh, what's her name? Penny? What's uh, Penny's name? No, I wish it was Penny. What's Penny's uh, name in Olivia. this movie? Olivia. Olivia. If Olivia had, like, given him a kiss on the cheek and, like, he, like, grumbled and then like tasseled her hair or something. yeah just to be like oh okay yeah like just some just something yeah um yeah 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 so uh these these movies uh i want to i want to jump to a little bit of a little bit of the historic context yeah. of these movies as we talked about earlier these are happening right before or three years previous to the renaissance uh-huh. to where everything kind of turns for like seven years or so and then kind of turns again um but like we also are only a few years past the last movies we watched Mm. um which well i mean i guess 10 years right from the rescuers and 10 years from 10 years and five years 10 years and five years or four years so like talk about the, the the growth there between uh the rescuers and greatest Mouse detective. Detectivist. Uh, yeah, I think it's things that we've mentioned so far. I think the pacing gets tighter. Mm-hmm. They figure out how to do story beats a little bit better. Um, I think the characters are more likable, even if there's not necessarily growth yet. Yeah. Uh, Penny's great in The Rescuers, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. The villain's fun, but not as fun as Radigan. No. Uh, so I think they kind of uh, amp up the... Not caricature, but like the all right. If we're gonna make this character have this trait, let's go all in on it. Would Would you say that it's clear that they that they spent a little more on this movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely, definitely. Like for a while, this was this was a mainly a budget thing, but then it just became the Disney aesthetic that like maybe they needed to you know, maybe they cut their cleanup crew in half. <laughs> like, it looks literally sketchy. Uh, rescuers? Like, Dalmatians through rescuers. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of weird jagged edge to, or like kind of double line to mm-hmm. all the edges of characters. Mouse Detective, that's cleaned up. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I look at it, I'm like, oh, this is almost 90s. Yeah, this is we're almost, almost there. what I recognize. Um, I think backgrounds are a little bit, Better, they're One, a little bit less 100%. impressionistic. The even though are great in this, yeah. Even though there is that still that like impressionist kind of aesthetic, mm-hmm. it's less. It it more feels on purpose and less. We don't have time or money yeah. for this. Uh, yeah, and I yeah. So storytelling and the visuals definitely have cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, I think I think the script is better too. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a clear evolution, and yeah. it's a clear like I, I don't think Rescuers was considered like the the nadir of of Disney, but mm-hmm. it 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 wasn't far from it. Yeah, right. It's it's the point where they're about to start relying on like. Ernest and the Ninja Turtles well, to start bringing in It's the point where money. Don Bluth and half of their good animators leave. Leave, yeah. Because they don't like what's going on. Which, yeah. which 
gives opportunities to some of the younger guys coming it sure up. Sure does. Um, but it also like it breeds Nim. It breeds rescuers. Land before time. Yeah, which is quite good. Uh, uh, yeah, not, it, sorry, Nim. Uh, yeah, I know. American Tail. Fivel. And the Fivelers. The Fivelers, yeah. As a as more of the resident Don Bluth guy mm-hmm. uh, of the two of us, uh, what do you think evolves from Nim to American Tail? So uh, in Nim, I I think there was intended humor, but I don't think it really worked. Like the the bit that we found funniest was Mrs. Brisby dealing with Jeremy dealing like with he Jeremy. was like a burden. But I don't like. I think Jeremy was supposed to be funny. Yeah. Um, but the thing about Jeremy is he w- like it was like here's a scene of something really important happening. Uh huh. Here's Jeremy. He's gonna make you laugh. Yeah. Now we're gonna cut back to this scene. Sure. And it it felt to me like Don Bluth was a little bit afraid of being funny, mm-hmm. of being a. Uh, heartfelt like uh I, I think we said nim uh they were aiming for a pg rating uh, yeah but didn't get it mm-hmm. and and i think it kind of shows like nim uh really really good movie maybe a little over serious and maybe the comedy is a little bit pushed to one side and i think in american tale that all got embraced i think it was hey it's fine. This is going to be a family movie and we're going to we're going to go for it. And I don't need to show that I'm a serious animator. I'm just going to make something great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think I think the levity was there. And, yeah. and I will say also correct casting uh, yeah. for Dom DeLuise uh, as a chubby cat that can't stop laughing and is a like a goofy sweetheart as opposed to like a clumsy crow that just looks like a crow and and sounds like Dom DeLuise instead of himself for some reason yeah. yeah it's like it was not great casting in them it's great in American yeah Tale. yeah yeah i think they're going more for like some stock characters i mean they they make use of all the immigrant immigrant droop Immigrant, immigrant groups. groups they're trying to represent. There's like a sassy uh, Italian, uh, mm-hmm. you know, rabble rouser that uh-huh. Fievel meets. And there's the Irish lass. And there's mm-hmm. the French pigeon voiced by Christopher Plummer for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, course, so they uh, kind Madeline of... Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Just being Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn is, has been in two of the animated movies that we've done for this podcast Neither of them, I don't think, uses her to her fullest potential as an animated voice. Yeah. She's freaking Madeline Kahn. She should be the most funny part of her movie, and I haven't found that to be true in either. Mm. Or just an interesting part. I don't know. Yeah, I I think she's used well here. Yeah, better Um, than My Little Pony. Because I think she gets to be, I think she gets to be funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the jokes are on her pronunciation. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer, because it's not... It's not great. Right. But um, I think she gets to like overact for fun mm-hmm. in this. And, and I, I don't mind her. She's uh, she's not as good in this as she is in like 
pick a Mel Brooks movie. Pick, yeah, but, pick. <laughs> um, but I thought I thought I thought she was pretty well cast. Yeah, I thought she was fine. Yeah, it's interesting that levity piece that you're talking about. I think is evident, and for me, there's like a little bit of overboard mm. in that no two sets of characters are connected by anything but meeting Fivel. Uh, and it is, it, it's, if I don't like Fival, which I don't, yeah. then it's hard for me, like, there's nothing else to hold on to in this movie well, for me, even though the scenes are fun. I'll say they're connected by two things, is Fival and let's get rid of the cats. Yeah, it's, that's true. This isn't quite, like, um, this isn't like uh, uh, Frodo, he takes the ring and he forms his ragtag band of adventurers right like this isn't a, a grand quest but i i think that is something that ties them all together is mm-hmm. like the experience of being mice in a cat's world yeah or whatever don bluth thinks a cat is. let's talk about it let's talk about that so uh one thing that remained consistent from secret of nim to american tale is that i'm not certain don bluth has ever encountered a cat in real life I understand they're big and scary. Your Dick, your argument is that my argument is that that just like uh, how the waves aren't actually uh, giant men, uh, cats aren't like they. These are not actually cats that roar, but to a mouse, a meow would sound very scary. <sighs> yeah, it's it's the thing that kills you. Um, so. These just cats. Like, but but I, I will say, to be fair, eagles don't sound like they sound in movies either. Okay. They don't, yeah, do, that, they don't do that cool scream. Yeah. That's not what an eagle sounds like. Okay. That's but fair. But it's cool to make them sound like that. But more people have met a cat. That's... Uh, and, and the sounds that Don Bluth's cats make are roars. Yes. Snarls. Yes. Like a Doberman. Yeah. And then straight up... Ow! Yes. One, one howl. And one howl. cats don't make any of those sounds. Yeah, well... I think the snarl is more like a pearl, right? Like, it sounds like a wolf in his that's, movies. Uh, that's fair. It's, and especially, like... Well, no, these cats, too. But uh, And uh, they, like, bare their teeth, which no. is also something that cats, cats don't really don't do. do. They, no. like, lift their lips to bare their teeth. If they're scary. They are yeah. effective. Yeah. But... Not convinced Don Bluth knows what a cat is. Uh, I I will argue uh, that uh, it doesn't matter <laughs> uh, because they're awesome. And also, uh, I want to talk about my favorite movie of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, if I haven't uh, talked about Spielberg enough today, I'm going to talk about Jaws. Uh, <laughs> at the end of Jaws, That's which right. you still haven't seen yet. No, not Or you haven't it. seen the end yet. Uh the shark gets blown up, and as the shark is sinking through like a, a, a bloody mist, you see the 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 dorsal fin like kind of fall, and you hear a roar. Sharks don't roar. No, they don't. Dead sharks, especially, don't <laughs> roar. But the sound is representational. Sure, it's, it's like it's symbolic of you know like how old sharks are, and that they are. Um, an animal that has been around since the age of the dinosaurs mm-hmm. and you know stuff like that like there, there, there's a reason for it and i think 
um, just like the representational video v- visuals in this movie, mm-hmm. I I especially don't mind the cats making terrifying sounds. I think it really, really works. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess just on a, on a short note before we wrap things Ooh. up, these are both interestingly period pieces mm-hmm. and the other two are not. Um, not, or not yeah. specifically. Um, and I think they do some cool things with that. Like they both, they both do a neat thing where the mice have human cognates. Yes. But we don't really, we don't meet the humans. Like rescuers and Nim, you meet humans, they interact mm-hmm. with humans in one way or another. Uh, but like Basil lives in the real Sherlock Holmes house and you see a, a man in silhouette, you know, in the second floor playing a violin. You assume that's Holmes. Like, it's kind of neat. And I, American Tale does it too. I feel like you're just setting me up to talk about Steven Spielberg again. <laughs> Uh, because Spielberg uh, was uh, a producer on American Tale. Yeah, he started out with a more with more of a hands-on role, but then got busy because he's Steven Spielberg. So yeah, but, but yeah. this is yeah. It, he was around for some of the he's early story Steven meetings. Steven Spielberg, and this is 1986 yeah. or five or or four. Yeah, like he's, he's got a hand in it. He's busy right now, um, but he uh, this is his first animation he's worked on, and. Um, he was not sure about the idea that like Bluth is like, Hey, the, these mice are kind of going to live the immigrant experience, but they are still going to be mice. Mm-hmm. This isn't a mouse world. This is a world where we'll also see people immigrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spielberg's like, I don't, I don't know. That sounds weird. And Don Bluth says, okay, go watch the rescuers. And, Spielberg does, and he comes back. He's like, "Yeah, you know what? That works." Let's it's like because the rescue aid society is within the real UN. Yeah, and yeah, the same. Like when the Mouskowitzes are being evicted from their from their house, so yep. are the human Jews, and yeah. there's human and Cossacks and cat. Cossacks. When we see them at Ellis Island, we yeah. see humans above at Ellis Island, a human Ellis Island. Yeah, like it's it's effective, and it's a neat. Yeah, it's a neat kind of like placemaker that you know like you know because you see a representation of Sherlock Holmes and because you see a representation of these immigrants it's a little bit more rooted in that historical context you have some uh some more clues about what these worlds are um fun fact the mice being the Jews and the cats being the Cossacks um in American Tale is the reason why you have Two volumes of the graphic novel Mouse, M A U S. He was going to produce one large volume of his collected works that started in the early 80s. Heard about this movie, uh, was going to sue, but instead was just like, uh, F it, I'll beat them to releasing it. Yeah. And so he released what he had, which was volume one, prior to an American tale, mm-hmm. and then volume two came out after. Uh, which, by the way, if you haven't read Mouse, I haven't read it since I was maybe so 15. Yeah. But like from 12 to 15, it was one of my favorite things. Arch Spiegelman. Uh, yeah. yeah, Arch Spiegelman. Um, yeah. Uh, also, the reason that in Mouse they are mice is because in uh, um, like, anti, uh, like anti-Semitic propaganda that the Nazis put out, um, Jews were often mice. 
uh, like they're, they're pests or whatever. So it's reclaiming so that it's kind of reclaiming imagery. that. So and yeah, in Mouse, the graphic novel, the cats are the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like Spielberg is like, yep, uh, the Jews are mice in this. Art Spiegelman's like, cool, the Jews are mice in this. Like, I, I think, you know, I don't know if 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 anyone on American Tale was inspired by Mouse. Yeah. I'm sure they probably were. But also, Don Bluth already proved he knows how to draw mice <laughs> from <laughs> right? the last movie. So, um, But, like, it could easily be that, that, you know, two independent ideas were, were formed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So is it time to wrap it up? I think it's time. Oh my God. The final cut? For the final cut. What? The final. The final what? Of the ninja star glue trap at these movies. And hopefully they'll miss the mice and just get just the end to of be, the podcast. Okay. I just. I, that was a weird mix. You've been, you've been saying this a lot. And I just, I want to throw this out there. I feel like a ninja star is thrown vertically. Uh, well, a fris- it's a horizontal. And a frisbee is thrown horizontally. What about a brisbee? What about a Brisbee star? Well, please don't throw a Brisbee. Please stop throwing mice around the apartment. It's yeah, weird. it was horizontal like a Frisbee. I mean, I But guess, I felt like a ninja. You know what? I, I I take it back. I bet you could throw a ninja star horizontally. Yeah. We'll do. You know what? We'll do some research. It depends. Uh, you know, if you as the ninja make the spatial, you know, the visual spatial judgment I mean, that if, it's got to be thrown sideways, you know. If you're a ninja and you, you have a star, you, you do what you want. Yeah. You know? Those uh, are the rules. Kate, final cut. Yeah. Uh, the segment where... We talk about stuff it's in a slightly different format. Slightly than more we've organized about it fashion. Before Kate, the first section of Final Cut is our scene shout outs where mm-hmm. we take a scene uh, from each movie and talk about why it was so effective. Yeah. I'm gonna start you out with Ooh. American Tale. All right. Because I know I know this is a harder one for you because you have feelings. It is. But Kate, give us a scene shout out. Uh there's a scene. Uh in the very beginning, a brief moment where you like everyone in the movie. No, uh, it, it, that is true for me. But I do think that first scene is done well. So you start on the Mouskowitz family. They're celebrating Hanukkah in their home. There's music playing. There's laughter. Um, the dad is joking around with the kids like, oh, maybe there won't be presents this year. And oh, no, I'm just joking. Um and there's like such warmth in the family and mm-hmm. such like everyone loves each other. Everyone is happy. The gifts are what, like a babushka, a for, babushka the girl, for the girl and a family heirloom hat for the boy. And it's just the hat that dad is wearing. Yeah, like, it is. He doesn't have a gift. So, he gives him his hat. Yeah, they're not like new, exciting gifts. Yeah. This family doesn't have means. But they appreciate them. They're so excited by yeah. the gifts. And the hat is too big for Fievel. And it slips down over his whittle face. And it's just, it sets up. And then, like, dad plays the violin and they all dance around. It sets up um, just like how bonded they are as a family. And. Even if you end up not caring about the fate of Fievel, as some audience members are going to do, mm-hmm. um, you do want this family to be reunited at the end. So it's yeah. a good kind of sticking point for that whole plot. loving family. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. So that's, that's my shout out. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Um, from American Tale. Um, oh, man. Uh, that's a great question. I, I guess uh, I sort of have... I sort of have there are so many things I like in this movie, like seeing old New York. Is Every shot of that is exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's the old elevated train. 
Statue of Liberty is bronze? What? It's not green? Uh, yeah. Uh, which, by the way, uh, shout out to my main man, Jasper, a uh, friend of ours' son. Uh, uh, Statue of Liberty aficionado. He's what, three? He's three, and he is obsessed with the Statue of Liberty. Like, ridiculous obsessed. Like, the object. It's like, he was introduced to it in a YouTube video, so it's kind of that, but like, it's not like a show. You know, it's not like being obsessed with yeah. trains when you've seen Thomas the Tank Engine. He's just yeah. obsessed with this historical landmark. Yeah. It's great. It, my my nephew, when he was probably about that age, maybe maybe four or five, uh, obsessed with the Titanic. Just couldn't couldn't get enough of it. I don't, he just awesome, latched onto it. Didn't care about other boats. Just like the Titanic. These awesome weird kids. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, okay, but so yeah. Old New York. So, is that? No. no, Old New York is, is really cool. Uh, I love like seeing little hints of the immigration where like, um, I think the, da- the daughter's name is Talia. And then it yeah. gets renamed to Tilly. And she's like, why'd they rename my, me to Tilly? Yeah. Um, the details are great. The details are great, but if I'm going to shout out a scene, it's it's the final scene uh, mm. in the movie, the family reunion, where where Fivel has basically given up hope. He's throughout the movie, he's heard or thought he heard his family over and over again, and they've almost crossed paths, and we see them even in the same shot, like mm-hmm. going different ways on different levels and stuff. Um, and so his his family is like is like passing by him calling out his name and it doesn't even register because I think it's like he's blocked it off yeah like he's like um, too many false alarms mm-hmm. and then something triggers and he's like oh wait that is my family he goes running towards them um, they're all riding on the cat tiger uh-huh. uh, and Papa jumps off and starts running towards Fival. They're running so fast that they just run right past each other. <laughs> and then they come back. Papa jumps like through a through like a little waterfall in a storm drain. They embrace. The the screen goes like a little bit red or a little bit yellow little bit or hazy. something. A little yeah. bit hazy. And it's it's just a really beautiful reunion. Yeah. That like you kind of forget that Bible sucks a little bit. I do like this this scene makes me tear up. Yeah. Like, and I don't one hundred percent believe it's earned, but through the strength of the father and just how well done this scene is. Who, who, let's face it, great character. Yes. Like, I love Papa. Yeah. Uh, Five But Papa's great. Mama might not be. She Mm. may have lost a baby. Yeah. Well, okay. So (laughs) we were watching this movie. Like, didn't she have a baby in the first scene and now she doesn't? They just keep on losing small mice children. Like, maybe this family is just... All, like, I mean, all of them are fivals. Yeah. I was reading that because of, like, some reshoots or, like, recuts, oh. there were some things that went uh, missing, including the baby. Like, some someone knew. Someone, okay. Someone uh, figured it out before we did. Okay, good. But, as, long as, as long as someone knew. Yeah, noticed. there were, like, cut songs and cut scenes, mm. which makes it a little bit more disjointed of a movie. The more I read about it, the more I'm like, all right, this isn't... This isn't like all 100% the intended movie. Right. Okay. And, it was, it was and um, Spielberg had that same Katzenberg thing where Katzenberg came in and he's like, uh, add this. And they're, you know, and we're like, like, yeah, change this like elbow movement. It's like, okay, that'll take us two weeks. What? What? 
Uh, Spielberg <laughs> had that same thing where he's like, oh, can we do this? I'm like, well, we can. <laughs> Let me tell you what goes into doing that. How important is it to you? Yeah, like on a one to ten. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> just like let us know and we'll we'll gauge from there. Um so yeah, that that, that ending scene is gorgeous. Yeah. 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 Um yeah. All right. Yeah. Scene shout out for scene shout outs for mm. Great Mouse Detective. Okay. There are a couple. Do you have one ready yeah, to go? Yeah, I've got right. I've got one ready and it's a small mm. it's a small scene, but it's mm. um so, I, I mean, we've already talked about the the Radigan music. Uh, so, if we hadn't gone on and on about that, that's my scene shout out. But I feel like we've already gone there. So, I want to call out a character that we've not even talked about yet, which is the, whatever the big fat cat's name is. Oh, There's a monstrous cat in this movie. Ooh. And Radigan controls it, uh, or at least summons it by ringing a bell he rings the bell the cat comes a running and that's introduced in the radigan scene that's introduced it's in the like radigan scene the there's song a is cut up with some scenes yeah there's a there's a mouse that calls him a rat and radigan responds by taking that mouse outside ringing the bell cat comes eats that mouse Done. and radigan's like kind of got this cat like not under control necessarily, but like it's gonna come and eat yeah. when he rings that cat bell. Cat says hench, hench cat. So later in the movie, we see this this bat character who's like kind of his minion. Who? Oh man, that yeah. bat. Kate, Kate will talk about it in a well, minute. We'll talk about that shortly. Um, but this this bat is like kind of his henchman. He's like sends him out to to get the girl or get the father or whatever, and he comes back empty-handed and. You see Radigan say, hey, come come over here. Let's talk. And they walk off screen. And there's nothing. Like, there's there's no movement. There's nothing. And you just hear, ding, 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 ding. You hear that bell. Oh, no. And you know what's going to happen. And if it <laughs> if it cut right there, yeah. I would know that that bat got eaten by the cat. But I'd be so upset that that bat got eaten. Yeah, because to be honest... He's the character I care about. Spoiler, he does make it out. He escapes the cat. Um, so I thought that was really effective because we, we get the setup. We know yeah. it's going to happen. And then later it uses that setup uh, and just uses the sound cue without yeah. without visualization, without anything else, just to, to let us know what's about to happen. And I thought it was really effective. It's such good direction. Mm-hmm. And it's something that... Yeah, uh, you had mentioned uh, Fievel gets faked out a few times in the movie, thinking yeah. he did his family because Papa plays the violin, and I didn't notice this till you pointed it out to mm-hmm. me. Whenever he like a couple times in the movie, he says Papa, Papa, and it's because he's hearing violin music that's either coming out of like a phonograph or like or some other character is playing. is playing it. But and and I'll. I'll say that, you know, our TV sometimes does weird things with audio in old movies. So sure. maybe it's just a mixing issue. But, like, I didn't notice the I, violin music I either it. of the times he did it. Like, even when I was, when I know what should have yeah. been. I, I I think it's less of an of an issue of, like, mixing or, uh-huh. or you know, sound. And more of an issue of score. Mm. Because the score uses... Like it uses violin elsewhere, yeah. and it uses like I, I think it even uses that same thing theme that uh-huh. his dad plays when he is sad. So yeah. 
because it's a music or because it's an instrument that is all over the place mm-hmm. in the score it is hard to separate it as a new thing yeah and it sounds well, and you, like it's background music yeah you, you don't know if Fievel's hearing it or it's just the soundtrack of the movie you're right. watching whereas that bell is yeah. isolated you yeah. don't like if the Great only Mouse time Detective you hear the bell had a bunch of bells ringing right, all the time all the time that would be a problem I mean, that would be a different problem, but also you wouldn't notice that. Bell. Yeah, but I do, I mean, but they also draw attention to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just the sound, it's the setup before. So I think if like Fievel were to like put a hand to an ear and be like, like so you can or tell if, he's he's trying to hear something yeah. and then you're trying to hear something. Or if he were lost earlier in the movie and he followed the violin sound. Yeah, there you go, like, on the boat or something. At the very beginning of the movie, yeah, yeah. he got lost, he followed the violin to yeah. find his dad. And then we see him getting yeah. faked out over it. Like, yeah, a little more a, setup would It's a been. good idea. I it, like it yeah. as a thing that happens. It just needs to be executed a little bit more yeah. clearly. Mm. Nice. Uh, okay, so I need to do a you scene You need to do a out. scene shout out for the great, great mouse, mouse detective. detective. I'm going to call out one of those fun action sequences. Yes. There's, um, so like, until they meet Radigan in the climax, which is also a good directional choice, mm-hmm. um, they... I mean, besides this, the scene with all the booby traps and the record playing, which I feel like we already talked about. Sure. That scene made me laugh a lot. That scene's amazing. Uh, but close is this toy shop scene where they follow the bat into the toy shop or like the their bloodhound tracks the scent yeah. or something. And then all of a sudden they're in this pursuit with the bat who's trying to get the Olivia um, as like kind of some, not ransom, but like a motivation for the toy maker to speed up his work right like having the threat of the daughter being injured yeah. anyway a uh, point that, that's not important what's important is yeah. they chase each other around a toy shop yes and it sees all these like toys from the late 1800s so like i feel like there's like a jack-in-the-box and a dolly and like it's a lot of wind-up toys yeah wind-up toys and they all get like activated in this domino effect way in that they, you know, characters are sliding on top of them in fun loops and they're getting turned around by them. And it, is, it is beautifully crafted action and it is so fun to watch. It mixes, yeah. it mixes like the, the you know, the, 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 the tension of an action scene mm-hmm. with some comedy because right. each of these toys is kind of, it's yeah. kind of funny. If you were to die from a toy, that's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like... You know, like our hero narrowly evading like a a wind up knight with a lance. Like, yeah, that's that's it, it's just. Mm. And I feel like like the Indiana Jones style. There's like quips delivered throughout, yeah. and there's back and forth verbal parry and it's, physical it's parry. And very like, strong. Yeah. 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 Cool. Nice. MVP. All right. So if I was to pick a a most so as a, as a most valuable player. Uh, being a, a character from the movie, uh, actor, director, a writer, personality, whatever. Personality, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give it to, uh, and because I, I don't think uh, he got enough credit earlier when I talked about him to Dom DeLuise. Mm. Uh, Dom DeLuise is hilarious. Uh, I mean, he's like Burt Reynolds' friend. I assume he's like highly problematic. I don't know. Um <laughs> He's hilarious. Oh, I, no one I, look it up. <laughs> I love him in in uh, like the Cannonball Runs. I love him in just whatever whatever thing I've seen him in. And I 
love him in American Tale. The exact opposite of how I felt about him in Secret of Nim. He's funny. He's charming. He's sweet and vulnerable. And like, I kind of feel for him because like you see him like he is not a cat that has friends Uh, or like he has friends, but those kind of boys aren't your friends. (laughs) You know, like he hangs out with a crew that, that doesn't really care for him. And, you know, he finds Fievel and they're kindred spirits and it's very, it's very sweet. And, and like that sweetness and that humor go a long way. And it's, it's clear why he's back for the next movie. Yeah. And one of the reasons I'm excited for to watch uh, uh, Five Goes West at some point. We'll have to wait for next Mouse Month. Well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, his verbal stuff is fun. Like, yeah. uh, I was telling you, if I didn't know that's just exactly the way Dom DeLuise sounded, I would say, oh, this actor's doing a very strong Burt Lara impression. Yeah. Like, he does some of that, like, laugh Whoa. and the, like, yeah. kind of the put him up kind yeah. of uh, vibe, but you know yeah. he's not going to hurt. It's nice. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what about what about you, Kate? Do you have a, I mean, do you want to just, we could just skip over you. You probably don't have an MVP this time. That's fine. Let's go on to the next thing. No. I, I got I got MVP. <laughs> I, I got MVP. <laughs> There's this bat. Uh, the first time you see him, he's kidnapping a toy maker. Very, like, uh, terrifyingly. Like, he's, like, he's scary. He's got this evil laugh, like, yeah. Like, it's a weird evil laugh. Yeah. The second time you see him, he has a checklist in his hand that he's got from Radigan. <laughs> and he's like, you you can like, literally see it. He's got four things he needs to four do. Four things. He, and he's just talking to himself. And he goes, gears? Yeah, I got gears. Tool, tools? Yeah, I got tools. Girl? No, don't have girl. Uh, this four, Like, he just goes, it's, it's so weird. Both the, like, like the... The words that he's saying for this kind of movie yeah. and the the delivery, yeah, so weird. The way and the way he says it, like I got gears. It's yeah. like I feel like one, he's trying to like like reassure himself, yeah. and also pump himself up. He's like, yeah, I got gears. Yeah, I'm doing good. It's it's such an interesting <laughs> off. Like, kind of just slightly off delivery, and it's a blast. And then the rest of the movie, that's kind of his personality. Like, that's. Yeah. It's like pre. I don't. I don't even know a pre no. like sidekick to compare him to. But it's but just he's, he's lovely. Always that voice. Always saying something just a little bit off of what you expect. I, I think you said he was like a little a little doggy. Oh uh, yeah, like Doug from, from Up. up yeah, the, the dog from Up. Yeah, just like this doesn't quite fit into this movie, <laughs> but I'm here for yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, great. It's, it's great. just weird. Yeah. Um. So much so that like he is a villain. But when that cat comes, you're oh no, no, yeah. no, no, don't kill the you bat. Were, I love the bat. You were very upset when that cat came. <laughs> like they won't they won't actually do this, right? No, he's like too good. It, and they don't. They don't. Uh, but I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Kate, l- let me ask you, like on on this character note, if uh-huh. you were gonna do a crossover, mm. if you were gonna cross over, and again, this can be this can be characters, it can be yeah. actors, this can be creatives, this could be whatever. If you're gonna cross these these two movies over in some way, how yeah. how do you do that? What do you do? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I am going to start by uh, switching our child mice leads. I'm going to put Fievel 
in The Great Mouse Detective, mm-hmm. in the like Olivia role. You can keep his name. That's fine. Olivia in the Fievel role mm-hmm. uh, for multiple reasons. One, Olivia doesn't have very much to do in her movie, and I think that she could handle a lot more. I, I want to see I want to see the penny in her. Yeah. Uh, and she seems adventurous. She seems game for everything. Um, to me, she is sympathetic. Uh, she gives me no reason not to. So if like she's the lost child in the Mousekwitz family, I'm rooting for her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, and then the the switch on the other side. Uh, Olivia doesn't have much to do, which means Fivel wouldn't have much to do, oh. and that's great news. But also like. Like that part, Olivia in the Great Mouse Detective could stand to be a little, uh, a little bit more personality y, yeah. right? Like Fievel's curiosity, you know, the, the fact that he's going off independently to find his father and get help, that's already a big improvement on his character yeah. <laughs> of like asking for help instead of causing bigger problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like little like goofiness and curiosity would be a fun. Uh, foil against Dawson I, and Basil, I, I the adults. I think he and Basil would yeah. interact wonderfully. Uh, yeah. Like, because I'm sure Basil, like, especially considering, like, he's both brilliant and bumbling, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a little bit of Fievel in him. Yeah. I don't think Olivia is a character he can identify with. No. I think Fievel is. Yeah. Yeah. Fievel is, it, it, he'll, you know, chase a fish off to his death in yeah. the ocean. But he also comes up with the Great Mouse of Minsk robot. Yep. So, you know, yeah. There's that. There's that. Nice. That's a good crossover. Thank you. Oh. Ha, uh, what do you do, Dick? Well, so there are there are two characters we haven't really... Well, uh, there's one character we haven't really gotten into that I, that I love a lot in this movie, and that's uh, Warren T. Rat mm. in American Tale. Um, he is the... Uh, evil rat uh, uh un, uh like radigan who is uh, we assume a rat disguised as a mouse or yeah. a rat disguised as not, as a, not rat. a rat yeah um warranty rat is a cat disguised as a rat a cadigan you might say a cadigan yeah um i will say that <laughs> uh and i think like both of them like have their disguises they both have like really devious horrible schemes but they're pretty smart they're pretty effective um and uh uh, warranty rat is a pseudo intellectual he constantly misquotes shakespeare and things like that and and that's a lot of fun uh so i would like them to be paired off um maybe they're going to town to town like in an old timey selling elixirs until they're chased out of town uh some something i don't know i want to see them on uh do evil schemes that aren't quite as evil as selling children (laughs) into uh unpaid labor yeah just selling you know rogaine that's piss yeah yeah like ah this will put a spring in your step yeah yeah um uh Ankum, oh, what's his name from Oklahoma? Oh, I was I. That was a Pirelli reference. Sorry. Oh, you're doing a Pirelli reference. Yeah. I was uh, thinking of uh, Ali Hakam. Ali Hakam. Uh, there yeah, you go. they're they're Ali Hakam. I'd cross over Ali Hakam and Pirelli. Great. As well. 
Great mouse month over here. Great mouse <laughs> yeah. month. Uh, yeah. Ooh, but speaking of Radigan not wanting to be a rat, mm. teeny tiny secondary shout oh. out to that scene in Big Ben where like the lighting, like the chase gets more oh. intense. And instead of like, he's walking on two feet, like I guess mice do in this world yep. <laughs> most of the time. But he starts, when Radigan gets really intense, he starts chasing and some of his clothes rip and the lighting is just right. So he, he looks just like looks like a rat. A terrifying rat. It's like you can great. see all the fur on his back. He Ooh, roars so just he, like a... He roars just like a rat. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. It's great. Um, cool. Kate, is it time, it's time for the final, time. final cut? Final, final cut. 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 Uh... Kate, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to you yeah. first. Um, the this this final portion, we determine whether a movie is uh, good to just be re released in theaters, like put it out there now. Boom. Uh, whether like maybe we could do like a special edition where we improve some things, or mm-hmm. we turn it into a ride, or or whatever, mm-hmm. or um, no redeeming value, throw it into the vault with mm-hmm. Song of the South, never to be seen again mm-hmm. until Disney Plus comes out, and we'll see. We'll see. So, Kate, uh, let's start with let's start with the the, the greatest mouseman. The greatest. Uh, the great mouse detective. This is the greatest, greatest mouse. mouse. Um, the great mouse detective. What what do you do with this? Is this is this ready to go? Do you do a special edition or do you chuck it in the vault never to be seen again? Yeah, I I like the scenes in this movie. I think it's well directed. But as I said before, I don't have a strong attachment to Basil. Which keeps me from kind of connecting with an overarching arc <laughs> over like a, a, a through a through line yeah. of a like a character based through line. So I you know it's I guess it's, Disney loves doing these remakes lately, right? Yeah. And and I hate it as a general rule, but I think this could be an opportunity for a remake that makes sense. It's a title people have some affection for, mm-hmm. but I don't know that you've got anyone being like, the greatest mouse detective is the greatest movie every second, beginning to end. Don't touch this. Like, like may- eh, maybe. Maybe, but, but also, not enough. Also, I'd say um, one, of the, one of the things that I think, necess- like if you're going to do a remake, mm-hmm. I think there are two reasons. Mm. One, the first one doesn't hold up. Yeah. Or two... The first one did not get the attention that it should have. That it deserved. And yeah. Great Mouse Detective, I, I I think, is a story that like could like it could use a kick in the ass. People could could flock to this. They could see this. Absolutely. And a remake would like get those gears turning. Yeah. And I actually I think you can do this with existing with with part existing material. I think you reanimate some new scenes and here's what you do. Let, let's keep Olivia in it. Let's leave Fievel in his movie for now. But I think you do what you were talking about where you you want to see ba- Basil and Olivia maybe have a little bit more of a story together, right? She's the person, she's the character who needs a thing. He's the character that's helping her. So they are inextricably bound, right? Her goal is tied to his success. Mm-hmm. But it, you could give her a little bit more personality. You could give Basil a more defined personality and have them grow together from beginning to end. I think you can just add in a few scenes. Like, yeah. there's no scene that contradicts growth if you added it in later. Yeah. Um, you could easily just, like, 
boop, 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 pop yeah. those in. And that, I think, which is kind of what they did with Iron Giant, right? Like there oh, were a yeah, couple they scenes did. they added in. They did, yeah. And they weren't giant special effects scenes for no, the most part. No, but they part. added a little bit more context. It was like mom talking to the the guy in the diner. Yeah. Like just adding a little bit more story and stuff. Yeah. So there's precedent for it. Yeah. So I think I think that's what you do here. Yeah. And you, yeah. So because a lot of this animation just looks. So cool! I wouldn't want to lose it in a full-on remake. Right, and you wouldn't want these to be photorealistic CG mice with digital Absolutely fur technology. Not. Okay. Absolutely not. No, the, let's leave that to uh, to Taylor Swift yeah. and the cats. Um, so that's what I do with Great Mouse Detective. Kate, uh, I I want to give you I want to give you a chance um, to explain. Uh, a reference that you have made. I can't remember if it's in the title of this episode or if it's on our social media, yeah, but yeah. you 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 reference Mice the Musical. Oh, it's both. Uh, uh, so By the time this comes out, it's both. <laughs> uh, Mice the Musical. Let me tell you something, Dick. Yeah. I'm pinky. Yeah. All alone and it's stinky. Yeah. How, uh, it doesn't matter. How I miss okay. when he'd use all those really big words and then he'd grab me by the nose. That is actually a good tie-in with digital for technology. Mice the Musical is the title of the musical that Pinky, in the show Pinky and the Brain, previously mentioned on this episode, mm-hmm. uh, creates when uh, Brain's idea to take over the world is to create a Broadway show that people maybe never leave. I don't know what the... Yeah, it, the thing is, it's unclear. Uh, but, but then it it becomes. Yeah, this is a funny episode. Uh, Brain's musical becomes more of a passion project where he just wants to tell the right story, yeah. and Pinky goes for he he creates Android Weber's cats but mice. Yeah, uh, it's hilarious. It's my favorite episode of Pinky and the Brain, uh, and I don't even know cats that well. Uh, but the parodies are great. Uh, anyway. If if they made mice the musical, they, no, I still wouldn't want digital for technology. No, no one needs that. Don't need it. Um, yeah. Th- thanks for letting me shout out Pinky the Brain. More. Also, like this is a this is like a weird. It's not a generational thing, but it's like a we have a five year gap between our ages. Yeah. And when you're like, it's my favorite episode of Pinky and the Brain. I'm like, what? Oh yeah, I forgot that was a show. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, you think of them more as the Animaniacs. I don't think guys. I've watched a single episode, like full oh. episode. And I like Pinky and the Brain a lot more than Animaniacs. You're incorrect. Indeed. That's okay. It's okay. We're still friends. Uh, Kate. Uh, Wait. Dick. Dick. <laughs> what do you What do you do with Great Mouse Detective? Uh, Great Mouse Detective. Here's my special edition. Uh, we can leave the original movie as is, but I want it as a uh, a Disney Plus series uh, or, you know, HBO, whatever. But Disney Plus seems more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, do an eight-episode arc each season. Um, let us have all this crazy adventure, but also give us a little bit of downtime and a little bit of time for uh, the character of Basil to grow yeah. a little bit. Um, I, I don't think I've seen really many animated miniseries, but I think it's something that can work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I think this would be a great case for it. Cause you've got 
a case of the 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 night, right? right. Like right. like a Scooby Doo or a Duckman. Like you've mm-hmm. got a different case each time. Or a Sherlock. Hmm. Uh, I'm talking about things that are great, like Scooby Doo and Duckman. Um, not like uh, that Sherlock. Um, but it's it it it's like a it's a good opportunity to get a series. It's really easy, like. You've got all the the Sherlock stories to be based on, and then you can just be like, "Oh, my cat is missing. Can you help me find my cat? Great, we got an episode. Go, mm-hmm. like easy." So that's how I'd like to see it. Yeah, that'd yeah. be that would be interesting. Yeah, Disney Plus opens up a lot of options. Whoop, whoop. All right, so Dick, I'm going to ask you. So know in advance that I'm going to ask you to help me with what I want to do with American Tale. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I need, I need if, if I'm going to do something with it, and I'm not going to vault it, I'm not going to vault it. You, I could, would vo- have, you could vault it if you want to, but I ago, don't I know have, why you would. Two years ago, I would have vaulted it. but So I want, I want the help of someone who has a strong affection for it. Okay. So, so what I'm going to ask you so is... So you, you're not going to re-release it? I'm not going to re-release you're it. You're not going to vault it? No. There's a special edition here. But do you want to go first with your own independent re-release special release vault or would you like to join forces I'll, on this i'll go i'll go first but then i'll Great. help you with yours Wonderful. Uh, because my special edition i'm gonna special edition mm-hmm. it and it's not much uh i fix somewhere out there <sighs> the end great i i just hi- i hire a kid i hire two kids that can sing yeah that sound enough like our main characters and a good musical director i, I no i don't <laughs> no i hire two kids that can kind of sing uh, if if they hit all of the notes, and that's it, that has improved this movie dramatically. Done. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, there are two <clears throat> scenes that should make me cry in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fievel's reuni- reuniting with his papa, and Check. I got I got that scene. Yeah, and uh, uh, somewhere out there. Nope, I don't got that scene yet. And somewhere out there, it's just a it's such a bummer. It's it is sad that I'm not crying during that scene. That you almost put, makes you cry. You put two competent singers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that scene is infinitely better. Yes. So that's that's my special edition. I think that if theoretically that movie is at like a seven mm-hmm. in every critic's book, I think that bumps it to an eight. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's such a small fix to make a movie so much better. Yeah. But Kate... So my special... Okay, I'm, I might not need as much of your help as I think, because I've been thinking on it now. Um, my well, special I'm going edition, to help regardless. Okay, great, great. My special edition starts with your special edition as a baseline. Good choice. Because, duh. <laughs> that scene is fixed. Great. The next thing I fix, uh, I'm going to be very clear about... When Fievel hears a specific violin melody that's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit louder, yeah. that he's going to respond to physically, I know exactly what it means every time. Yeah. It'll make the ending even more dramatic. It will make the false alarms even more heartbreaking. Okay, that's the second thing. So then you have, you, you have two problems. You have a, dis, a disconnect problem, scene to scene. In my in my opinion, and you have a Fievel as a jerk problem. Mm-hmm. So I think you fix the Fievel as a jerk problem by 
making it an accident that he goes overboard. He can still be curious, yeah. but he can be like on his way back to listening to dad. That's, that's the way to do and it. And then get swept up by yeah. a wave, right? He, like, he, he even, he looks, he rears his hand back to throw the hat. He thinks better of it and says, no, I got to go back to Papa. Turns around, starts running down the stairs, gets thrown out. Yes. Done. Yeah, that's Done. fine. He's instantly more likable. That's yeah. fine. Yes, because he's tried to change himself. All right. So so we got that kind of solved. So the disconnect, I wonder if, you know, you're going to have to start making some big script changes if you want all the characters to really, like, feel connected. Like... There's this pigeon and there's this uh, snarky Italian boy mouse and there's this Madeline Kahn, Emma uh, Goldman character and there's Tiger. Kind of. She's a little rich. Yeah, she's a... a, That's weird. Anyway, uh, the family... Oh, no, I guess I I have another change after that. I feel like this movie's a little like Zootopia where if we dig too... Too much into the politics, it might not work yeah, it the might way not we want out. it to. <laughs> so I guess in like any scene, I want kind of like what the family does now. I want a character I've seen earlier kind of floating by so that you see, oh, they're involved in this community and they're doing their own thing over there. So just a little bit more incidental overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it work, it would work with what they're trying to do, of kind of like giving this big picture of... This was immigrant life in this era for humans and mice alike. Um, And a little bit more crossover in the pathways, but not so much that you'd have to rewrite a scene. It would just be like some background stuff. The other thing that I think would require a little bit more rewrite. I'm sorry, I got a lot to fix here. Before you jump in there, uh, as far as like the the different characters Mm -hmm. um, being on their individual journeys and seeing that more... Uh, I feel like Fievel is kind of accidentally involved with the Mouse of Minsk. Uh, it's his idea that his, he whispers to Madeline It's his Khan. idea, but he's not like, yeah, we need to overthrow this. Th- like, oh, yeah. I need he's to be involved like, in a political I movement. have a small idea about but a clearly robot. clearly his parents are like, we are involved in this. Yeah. I think it would be nice if Fievel was also involved in this. Mm. And we see like they find each other because they both care about the same thing well and that's so yeah that's oh is that going to be your second point no 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 okay that's another fix point i have so many fixes (laughs) all right so i think it is interesting that our scene shout outs were the the two scenes where the family is all together i think it speaks you know we've we've shouted out papa as far more of an interesting and like more likable character on the screen than fievel I want to follow the family a little bit more heavily, like actually see the scenes that lead them to the, you know, that speech, lead mm-hmm. them through Ellis Island, all of that. I want to see more of them. There's also a line I think you can build off of too in the the pigeon when he meets Fievel and sends him on his way. He says, uh, you know, good luck, my immigrant friend. And at the end, when the pigeon inexplicably comes back and gives the family a ride around the top of the finished yeah. Statue of Liberty. He says, uh, good good luck, my American friend. Yeah. And so what does that mean, to become an American? Mm. And I think it, it keys into what you were just talking about, of like getting involved in a cause to make the country better, right? Yeah. Like, So which is to say that 
this movie, I think, is doing a lot of things, and it maybe is doing one or two things too many. It's, bi- it's biting off a little more than it can chew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, I, I really like this movie. The scenes I, are good. I need to talk about something. Okay. That I don't think we've talked about since okay. we saw the movie. A lot of movies have stupid things happen at the end. Uh, girl bat? Is that what I you're, mean, you're referring to? Anastasia has girl bat. Uh, Mushu's dance party Mushu's with the ancestors in the gazebo. Like just, just end it normal. Um, the Secret of Nim with girl bird. Yeah. A lot of girl, like a, a lot of like... Girl oh, for the C character. The pink version of this sidekick has appeared. Yeah. Um, but in this, the there's this beautiful uh, sweeping it scene. Is. Yeah. The, the, the mice are, and tiger uh, are, are like flying over the city on these birds. Four oh, birds yeah, are holding tiger is- up <laughs> and it is hilarious. But th- this is like happening, and it's it's beautiful. These sweeping vistas, and we turn back and we see a, 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 the site of the Statue of Liberty, and the sun's like setting in the distance, and the Statue of Liberty winks at Fivel. Oh, I forgot about that. Why? Why did you remind me? What does that mean? What does uh, that mean to us as an audience? What is that? Why? That's all. Well, Dick, because she's the statue. Of liberty. Okay, cool. So, uh, I think that... Does that wrap it up? That does wrap it up. That wraps it up for us With here a at wink Summit. from Lady Liberty. With a wink from uh, us to you. Uh, thanks again, Rachel, for uh, reminding us that there are so many mouse movies, so yeah. little time. Uh, and... We yeah. hope you did. We hope we did justice to all three of yeah. the movies. Uh, and we've got more mouse movies to go. If you uh, have more movie mice that you'd like us to talk or about, or movies in general, yeah, they don't have to have mice because a lot of them don't. There are like twenty movies with dinosaurs, all with the same title. <laughs> uh, Land Before Time. Uh, just putting it out there. You're gonna record that series by yourself. I might. I'm gonna go away for a few weeks. Uh-huh. It's going to be really exciting to listen to all those. I may legitimately do that. Anyway. Uh, But please hit us up at Cellmates Podcast on Twitter, uh, Cellmates Podcast on Facebook, Cellmates Podcast at gmail.com on email. Email. Uh, Or uh, visit us at our website at cellmatespodcast.com. Dot com. You can find us... uh, If you're listening to us, I assume that you found us on your podcast thing of choice. But uh, if you're looking for some alternatives, you can find us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we've Listen been. We've got something. we've got some some good Listen listening up. numbers on Spotify. Hi, Spotify YouTube, fan, friends. Kind of. I still don't understand how that works. We're just on YouTube. You we're just, just on YouTube. You can just listen to it on YouTube. But we're There's like nothing, not a channel. We are a channel. We are a channel. Um, the way YouTube works is you have to have so many subscribers to. Be able to make your URL I a see. channel. So we're youtube.com slash five exclamation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you can find Cellmates Podcast on YouTube. Um, our most recent episodes are on there. Uh, yeah, Overcast. You'll figure it out. But, yeah. You you'll can figure, figure it out. Hey, you'll figure it out. You're smart. Yeah. you are. Uh, we trust you. We believe in you, fan. And hey, fan. Uh, if you want to leave us a review of, I don't know, five stars or ten stars or whatever the maximum 
that your podcast thing of choice maybe Five that's maybe that's ninja just a glue step glue trap stars yep maybe it's just a thumbs up maybe it's a i don't know smash that subscribe button i don't look i don't know how all this works be nice to us yeah if you like us uh, be nice to us yeah and let us know what we can be nice and to. if you don't like us be nice to us yeah. you know just being nice We're to people nice. is is nice yeah. Hey, uh, for podcast, uh, the cellmates, the podcast, podcast the cellmates, the cellmates podcast. podcast. I am Dick Ward. I'm Kate Phillips. Rats off to you. Squeak. Mouse. My head's a lot smaller, so they would be a lot more noticeable on my head. Your head is like, oh yeah, that's just like part of his head. I guess he's wearing headphones. Is this like the other day when you said I don't count as a person? No. You're like, headphones don't make your head any larger because your head is so giant. These are all compliments. (laughs) You've got a good head for headphones. Thanks. Uh Uh-huh. You've got a good head.